I have been in isolation for too long now, and I recognize I need a way out. I'm not eager, and I'm not sure how, but I know it is unhealthy to remain in isolation. If you can relate, let's do this together. Welcome to the podcast Not I, Not Isolated Anymore. This is B, And this is Stephanie. In our first episode, the previous episode, we introduced the topic of isolation as being in a state of aloneness, of not belonging. We're going to focus that in a little bit and describe it as not sharing a narrative or a series of narratives with others. Meaning if you share a narrative with another person or if someone else or a group of people uphold your narrative, you likely feel a sense of belonging. Again, the feeling of belonging happens when you feel seen, you feel safe, and you have a role in any circle. Having a role implies that there is a shared objective, which is implicit in every circle, and that implies a shared narrative. So belonging is having a shared narrative, and if you lose a shared narrative, whether suddenly or over time, that can lead to isolation. So let's talk a little bit more about this concept of narrative. What is a narrative? So narrative is the interpretation of our experience, the lens through which we understand everything that happens to us. And sometimes the concept of narrative is trivialized, can be thought of as just kind of a story, telling stories. Exactly. I mean, I have, you know, you hear people use the word narrative, use the word story, and and I have come across people who react negatively to that because it almost, it's it's like saying, wait a minute, you're saying that my life is made up of stories. And, and we think of stories, the connotation is, is, you know, something you tell a child, right? It's something trivial and important. Or made, make-believe. Exactly. Or, or made up. Right. It's something without importance, basically. And, and this is absolutely not the case. Narrative is the most central, important building block of our lives. I mean, there's, there's nothing trivial when we say narrative. Narrative is actually, it really is the building blocks of our lives. It gives meaning and structure to and purpose to our individual lives and our shared lives together. And it brings the circles together. And it brings people together. In, in anything, right? I mean, any common objective, even even this podcast that we're doing right now, one of us came up with the idea and the other one said, great idea. I uphold that narrative and here we are both working towards a common objective. So it's, it structures our interactions with each other. It helps us understand and make meaning of what is happening in our lives and in our shared lives. And most At- importantly, it gives grounding to us individually. Because when you stop and think about it, when you feel certain about something, that's when you feel grounded, right? Whatever narrative you want to pick apart, if you think about um, in your marriage, for example, you know that there are certain things for sure, without a doubt. If all of a sudden, if your husband were to say something that would put into doubt any of your narratives, it would throw your whole world into question. Because something that is supposed to be holding up the, a very important structure of your life all of a sudden feels wobbly if you don't have that sense of unwavering understanding and belief in a narrative. What's important about uh, about saying this is how narrative is connected to fear and understanding. Because we find safety in what we know. And if there's something that we don't understand, 
it immediately causes us to feel fear. And we automatically go into a place of finding a narrative that makes sense if the narrative that I had all of a sudden is questioned and challenged. I think that's important for other points that that we will come across, but also, but but it is also very important to understand that we hold on to it not only because it creates attachment to the group, but also because it produces a sense of safety in us individually. And it seems like, from what you're saying, also a sense of self. Exactly, and a certainty in a sense of self. That's why an identity crisis is is exactly that: is a moment where you don't have certainty in your sense of self. So, because it's so connected to your sense of self, to your understanding of your relationships and the reality of your life, it seems like it would be really important to know where your narratives came from and whether or not you truly believe them. It is very important, and it is something that we never stop to question, really. But yes, when you stop and think about where narratives come from, it's essentially two places. One is your lived experience. So this, you would have a kind of an active role in constructing these the narratives that come from your lived experience. Right, something that you have felt, you know, um, when you're a kid and the first time you touch something hot and you learn, ouch, you know, you touch something hot that hurts, you're never going to forget that lesson. And, you know, as, as you go through life, your first heartbreak, your first betrayal, your first whatever it may be, once you understand something in lived experience, that is one form of creating narratives. So these become narratives that you use throughout your life whenever you form new relationships or enter, have new experiences to understand past experiences. Right, exactly. It is a programming that we take forward into every new relationship, into every new interaction. So we have narrative based on lived experience and narrative that you have learned from someone else, whether it is in conversation, in a classroom, online, in a video, at work, what have you. Information that has come from someone else and you have accepted intellectually, if you will. Well, and maybe not even just accepted intellectually, because often you don't you're not even conscious of the narratives that you hold. I mean, you, you mentioned a couple places where they could come from. And I'm sure we can all, if we reflect, kind of think about narratives that we inherited from our family, narratives that we perhaps inherited from our religion. You know, we talked about a little bit in the first episode, some of the narratives that you got from your larger community and culture about gender, for instance. So there are many sources, external sources of narratives. And some of those are not just taught to us, or some of them are not just given to us. Some of them are imposed on us, sometimes violently imposed on us. That's true. And when we think about those narratives, narrative in a larger group will tend to want to keep the stability and the cohesion of the group. So it's not really intended to see you individually, let alone narrative that is actually imposed violently or or otherwise. So because the collective narrative tends to want to uphold the stability of the group first, oftentimes, I could say they impose a narrative on the individual, or maybe we could take it a little more lightly and say they offer a narrative to the individual that the individual then accepts in order to have a firm sense of belonging in the group and not challenge the collective narrative that is being 
offered, right? I mean, in other words, we could say this, they accept the projection that comes from the group. The difficult part about that, and this is how it connects to what we were talking about earlier, about feeling safe, feeling seen, and having a role, is that if you're accepting a projection that does not allow you to see your true nature, that is obviously a very detrimental projection. It's detrimental to you to be upholding a narrative that does not allow you to see yourself. And yet, nowadays, we all still exist in groups where that is exactly what we're being asked to do in order to belong. And that's exactly what we're hoping to change here by sharing with people just how important all these concepts are towards their energetic well-being. What you're describing is the challenges that arise when there are competing narratives. So we have our narratives that come from our lived experience, and then we have an abundance of narratives from a variety of groups family groups, friend groups, social groups, cultural groups, religious groups, and often they're in conflict. So we heard from you in the first episode how your lived experience of gender, for instance, did not match up with the narrative of your family or your larger culture. And that larger narrative won out because these were groups that you wanted to and needed to at that point belong to. The narrative of your own lived experience had to give way. Exactly. And now the interesting thing, of course, is that I accepted that, right? We have talked about the leading energies and accepting energy. So I accepted that. But what happens to someone who accepts a narrative that does not allow them to see themselves, right? That's that's not good for their energetic well-being. Well, clearly, there is going to be some feelings that show up because of it. The very basic one in the in, in what we just described, of course, you would expect me to feel some sort of resentment, right? And and that is that is something that happens. I mean, if you are forced to hold a narrative that is not your narrative of choice, that will result in resentment. And resentment is a wedge that can, if it remains long term, that can certainly lead to isolation, even within a relationship. You might be within a relationship, but have this sense of resentment because you are not being seen. And this person who supposedly loves you is not allowing you to feel seen, of course, you're going to feel some sort of resentment. Some of the energies that are common, so we have talked about isolation as a term, but it's not a monolith, right? I mean, isolation can happen to different degrees. And you can experience it in, you know, just just in small things, like in small little droplets, that can be something as simple as if you're in a relationship where you are holding the leading narrative, and the person who is a leading energy presumably loves you, but if they cannot see you and they are projecting a narrative onto you, that right there can be extremely isolating because you're not feeling seen, because your narrative is not being shared, because you are being asked to put your narrative aside in lieu of someone else's. That can be incredibly isolating in itself and lead to a feeling of resentment, which is a wedge that will only make the feeling of isolation grow larger. And that is something that naturally can happen even within a relationship. So resentment being both a product of feeling isolated within a relationship, whether that be a romantic relationship, a familial relationship, or a community relationship, and then also an accelerant to those feelings of isolation. And I'll go further. I mean, that can happen in any setting, right? In a, in a work setting, in school setting, what have you. We all have 
narratives that come from our lived experience, as we're talking about. We all have narratives that we've inherited or we've learned about or we've adopted as our own. Oftentimes without question. Oftentimes without question, but some of them we feel very strongly about. Right, so being in a circle or a relationship in which you feel those narratives have no place, then you have no place. And then that compromises, what we're saying is that compromises severely your sense of belonging. Absolutely. Because it is this sharing of narrative, as as we said at the beginning, that creates that feeling of belonging. And having no one or no circle to share a narrative with is fundamentally isolating. Fundamentally isolating. And also, if we go back to what we're talking about, the importance of feeling seen... Sure, we, we're we saying these words right now of isolating and feeling seen and what have you, and, and we're still thinking about the connotation of the words as we understand them right now. But the whole point is that we need to understand them as something so much more fundamental to to our well-being. But I think it's really important to, to touch on betrayal and guilt also. In addition to resentment. In addition to resentment. Betrayal is... When you have been in a circle and someone has been upholding your narrative and then all of a sudden they stop upholding that narrative. Or you feel like you share, you have a shared narrative with them. Or for example, if you feel you have a shared narrative with them and you find out that they have another narrative about you that you did not know about, you know, that all of that Mm -hmm. can lead to a sense of betrayal, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I thought we shared a narrative and we don't. So, you know, just to make it more basic, I thought we were in love and committed to each other. This is the narrative that a person could be very invested. And then they find out their partner has cheated on them in some ways. All of a sudden, the narrative that was critical to their own sense of self, to their sense of what their lives meant and what the relationship was, that narrative has now been lost. That's one. And I'll give you another one that's also pretty basic, but I think it illustrates it well, is let's say in a work setting, you have been assigned to work on a project. And that's what you've been working on all of your working hours for the past goodness knows how many months. And then all of a sudden somebody comes and decides to pull the plug on that project. And declare it pointless. Yeah, and, declare it pointless. And meaningless. All, yeah, meaningless. Maybe they even fire you, but they don't necessarily have to fire you. You know, it's all of a sudden that narrative that you had been upholding, putting so much energy towards, it's taken away like nothing. It that disappears. You were, that you were productive an important member of this group. And that was a sense of life force for you, right? Because it was a purpose. So yeah, that that can be a really harsh betrayal, not, not to mention the loss of narrative and other things we could get into. But that is a very, very clear betrayal. And the flip side of that with guilt is, say we share a narrative. Let's say you are upholding my narrative. And for some reason... I changed my mind about that narrative. I no longer uphold that narrative. And now I have left you holding it. And that's that's where, where, where guilt comes from. So all of these things are very isolating emotions because they are connected to the sharing of narratives. So resentment being when a narrative is imposed on you and you do not share it freely. And you do not feel seen in it. You do not feel seen in it. It does not really serve you. It serves maybe the other person or the larger group. Exactly. Rendering you trapped. Rendering you trapped. And then betrayal being when a narrative is taken away from you and violated. And then guilt is maybe when you take away or violate someone else's narrative who's 
a narrative that was important to you or important to the, a person that you care about. Yes, I think that's a very good summary of it. And all of those emotions are going to come up in isolation, as, as we said, and then also they're going to deepen the sense of isolation. And that's what you were saying, how narrative can contribute to keeping you in isolation and certainly getting you to isolation as well. So bringing this to my experience of isolation, I can tell you that resentment is definitely very alive because in isolation, you end up having to put yourself in this place where you can protect yourself. And so, again, narrative being the lens through which we understand everything that happens to us. Well, you know, if all of these people who used to uphold my narratives no longer uphold my narratives, I'm not going to be very happy with them to begin with. And even those where it's maybe not such a clear cut, they no longer uphold my narrative. But just, you know, being in this place of isolation that that feels so horrible, that is so alone, like really the not sharing, not having someone with whom to share a narrative and not having the, the freedom really to even reach out to someone to try to share a narrative. I mean, it's something so challenging that you need to explain it to yourself. And part of this explanation, there is inevitably this sense of, And all of these people out there who supposedly love me, they don't even notice, they don't even care, fill in the blanks, you know. And it is like this collective resentment. And I know that is something that is shared by anyone who's in isolation, because that is the one thing that has come up in conversation with with few people here and there. I have felt it myself very strongly, and and it's difficult, you know. I mean, it's, it's difficult for, I can understand for the people around because it's not each and every one person's individual fault. But yes, it's true. They all, everyone is kind of contributing. And so it's difficult to arrive at a narrative where you can be okay with everyone around you. This brings me to a whole set of internal conversations that maybe we can get into in a later podcast, where I have come to recognize that there is some resistance to leaving isolation, because it is so difficult to accept new narratives that will lessen this resentment or will put me in in places of better feelings to connect with people outside my circle. These are very painful. Resentment, betrayal, guilt. It can be when we share narratives that we can have this robust sense of belonging, of feeling seen and feeling safe, of having a role and purpose in our lives. And that's a profoundly pleasurable experience. But as you're describing, the flip side of that, when narratives go wrong (laughs) and you don't share a narrative or the narratives that are available to you are not ones that make you feel seen or safe or have a role, how painful that is and all these painful emotions that come from that, especially resentment being a very common result of that. But even as painful as they are, it almost feels safer to stay with them, <laughs> the pain that you know, than to try again, than to, to go out and, and try to access this pleasure that comes from belonging. You're absolutely right. And that is both because of the fear, the fear of the unknown, right? But also because when you're in isolation, your lived experience is that people don't care, that you have nobody to share yourself with. 
And so it is very difficult to override a lived experience with anything other than a new lived experience. But in order to have the new lived experience of trust and sharing a narrative, you have to put yourself out there. You have to go against your lived experience. It is a very, very difficult thing. It's not just a matter of convincing yourself and you know saying it's going to be okay. Your energetic tendency is to say, no, don't go there. So we want to talk a little bit more about that. This almost resistance to leaving isolation, despite how painful and uncomfortable it can be to be isolated. So we're going to spend the next episode exploring more from your perspective what that resistance feels like and how it plays out as you continue your journey to move out of isolation. Yes, so I have to recognize that there absolutely is resistance to leaving this place of isolation. And I hope that listeners will join us for the next part, because honestly, it's getting more and more difficult for me. So I hope people join us next time. <laughs>